As we continue in our series of studies in Joshua, we come to Joshua chapter 3, when the Israelites cross the Jordan. We're reading the first 17 verses, in fact, the whole chapter. Let's hear God's Word together. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River, where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the Ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Then Joshua told the people, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. In the morning, Joshua said to the priests, Lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. And so they started out and went ahead of the people. The Lord told Joshua, Today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I am with you, just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. So Joshua told the Israelites, Come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites ahead of you. Look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. Now choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. The priests will carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, as soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarathan. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the river bed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Amen. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for the wonder of your word. We thank you for the truths that are contained within it. We thank you for the way you have revealed your almighty power at work in people's lives through the Scriptures. And we thank you for this wonderful passage in the unfolding story of Joshua and the people of Israel. 
We thank you for the power demonstrated uh, in enabling the people to cross over on dry ground. And we thank you, Father, for all that we can learn from this experience. Father, we pray that you would bless us now as we open up our hearts and our minds and our lives to receive your word, to meditate on it, uh, to seek to understand how we can apply it in practical ways in our own lives. So bless us as we share in the study of your word together. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. The famous film director Woody Allen said, more than any other time in history, mankind faces a crossroads. One path leads to despair and utter hopelessness. The other, to total extinction. Let us pray we have the wisdom to choose correctly. Well, Allen's cynicism about life could uh, almost appear to be amusing if what he said wasn't so incredibly tragic. And yet, Woody Allen just reflects a sense of hopelessness about life that is shared by so many people in our world today. Look at the depressing situation in which mankind finds himself. And as people look at that situation, they turn around and ask, what's the point? Looking at Israel's discouraging record in the scriptures, you could ask the same question. Time and again, they had made the wrong choices, turning away from God in disobedience and ending up in a desperately hopeless condition. What was the point in God continuing to struggle with this people who were more often backslidden and in a state of spiritual defeat than living in obedience and experiencing spiritual victory? And yet, with infinite patience, God remained faithful to his chosen people and kept bringing them to the place where they could repent of their sinful choices and take new steps forward to move on with God into the future that he had planned. After 40 years of aimlessly wandering through the wilderness on account of their disobedience and lack of faith, finally a new day had started to dawn for Israel under this new leader, Joshua. Finally, God's people were on the move again. The spies had returned with a positive message that the stronghold of Jericho was gripped with fear of the advancing Israelites. <coughs> For the first time in a generation, everything was beginning to look positive and optimistic until the people ran up against their first real challenge. And what a challenge it was. The whole nation of some 2.5 million people had to cross over the River Jordan with all their possessions and livestock. And the River Jordan was in spate. But their leader Joshua was full of faith that God would be faithful to all his promises. Remember what God told Joshua in Joshua 1, 6-9 when he called him. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them. Then you'll be successful in everything you do. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, 
for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. These are wonderfully reassuring verses that God, uh, a statement that God made to Joshua. Uh, These verses were given to me as I prepared for ordination into Baptist ministry uh, way back in 1974 by two elderly ladies in the church here, Miss McKendrick and Miss Smith. And these verses have been an encouragement and a strength to me, especially when times have been difficult. So we shouldn't underestimate the immensity of the challenge facing Joshua and the people. Forty years before, Joshua had been ready to cross the Jordan and enter the Promised Land, but the people weren't ready. Forty years later, Joshua is ready and eager as he was before, and now the people are ready. They had more more than enough of living in spiritual defeat and being the object of ridicule in the eyes of the surrounding nations. They longed to settle in the land God had prepared for them, to enjoy the fruit of that land. But before they could take their first steps to cross over the river, Joshua says to them in chapter 3 and verse 5, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Wilderness experiences are not unknown to us, either in our own lives or in the lives of our churches. We take our eyes off the Lord. We become captive to a self-centered and disobedient spirit. Sometimes we're more like the world than reflecting the light and loveliness of Jesus. Jesus said to the believers in Ephesus in Revelation 2-4, You don't love me as you did at first. And when we lose our first love, Jesus says it's like falling from a great height. When you fall from a great height, you get hurt. And perhaps you even hurt others in the process. Jesus said to them, look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me. And he calls us to return to spiritual first principles in the same way that Joshua called the people of Israel to return to spiritual first principles, calling them to consecration and spiritual renewal of their faith. Purify yourselves, or as the NIV translates it, consecrate yourselves. I give thanks to God that I was able to be in the Christian Endeavor movement in this church in my uh, early and late teens. And those of you who were part of CE will remember the monthly consecration meeting that was part of being a Christian endeavorer, a time when we returned to first principles, when we refocused our lives, and when we publicly reaffirmed our commitment to daily prayer, daily Bible reading, and living a Christ-like life. Joshua called the people to consecrate themselves before moving forward with God. You can't go further with God uh, than uh, you are able to do because you have purified your life. So we need to take the same steps the Israelites took. Scripture tells us we need to take our spiritual position. Joshua 3.1. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove 
arrived at the banks of the Jordan River and they camped before crossing. Now, there's actually an important spiritual principle here that we could so easily miss. Before we can move forward with God, we must come back to the place where things went wrong in our spiritual journey of faith so we can then put them right. Standing on the banks of the Jordan, God brought the people back to the place where the faith of a previous generation had faltered and failed, so that in that place of failure, the people could seek for God's forgiveness and renew their faith and trust in him. And the same principles worked out in the New Testament. Jesus said in Matthew 5:23, if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Before we can move forward with God, we have to deal with the issues that brought about failure and disobedience in the first place. When Jesus met Peter on the shores of Galilee after the resurrection, he took Peter back to the place in his experience where everything went wrong. The courtyard of the high priest, the three denials publicly that he ever knew Jesus. And for each denial, Jesus asked Peter to make a fresh affirmation of his love and faith. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Feed my lambs. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. In the eyes of Jesus, it was very important that Peter be taken back to the place of failure uh, where his life had been spiritually derailed. And then for every failure, give him the opportunity to make a fresh reaffirmation of love and faith so he could get his life back on track with God. Is the Lord perhaps bringing you to the place of renewal? Perhaps like the Israelites, you've been living in spiritual defeat. Perhaps failure has characterized so much of your spiritual walk with God. But it doesn't need to be final. Winston Churchill said, success is never final, failure is never fatal, it's courage that counts. And we need the courage to go back to where things have gone wrong in our spiritual lives so that we can then open up our lives afresh to recommit ourselves to move forward with the Lord again. So we have to take our spiritual position to consecrate our lives, to make, secondly, our spiritual consecration. Verse 5, Joshua told the people, Purify yourselves. Tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Now, sanctification is something we can't do for ourselves. It's done for us by God. But consecration is something we must do for ourselves consecration, personal consecration, opens up the door of our lives so that God can 
through the Holy Spirit, accomplishes work of sanctification. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, 11, you were cleansed, you were made holy, you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. In John 17, 19, Jesus said, I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, Paul prays, may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Consecration is something we can do. Sanctification is something God does because we have consecrated our lives afresh to him. The act of consecration has to do, first of all, with cleansing as they prepared to cross the Jordan, the Jews went through their rituals. They washed themselves and their clothes to make sure they were outwardly clean and purified. They abstained from sexual relations in the way an athlete would do today to be at the peak of fitness for their race or match or fight. They cleansed and purified themselves to make sure that there was nothing within them that could hinder the purposes of God. And if God's calling you this morning, or me this morning, to a, the place of spiritual renewal, then that's the kind of cleansing we need to undertake, to rid ourselves of anything that might hinder him from working out his perfect purposes in our lives. I heard the story of a pilot flying his small plane when he heard a noise, he recognized instantly to be the gnawing of a rat. Wondering what it was gnawing on, he suddenly realized with horror it might be an electric wire. So remembering that rodents can't live at high altitudes, he immediately set the plane climbing up into the sky ever higher until finally he had to put on his oxygen mask himself. And soon the gnawing sound ceased and later when he landed, he found the rat dead. And that's the secret to us cleansing our lives and being consecrated afresh to living our lives for God. Live it. We need to live at a higher spiritual level in our everyday lives. We need to absorb the very atmosphere of heaven itself and commune with the Lord Jesus Christ. Consecration involves cleansing, it also involves commitment. And in consecrating themselves to the Lord, the people were committing themselves to fulfilling God's purposes. They were tired of living a life of failure. They wanted to move forward and experience the victorious power of God in their lives. Perhaps you've heard the story of the chicken and the pig who went on a trip and after many hours and many miles on the road, they were hungry, and finally the sharp-eyed chicken spotted a restaurant. Approaching the door, they read a sign that said, Ham and eggs, our specialty. Hold it, said the pig. What's the matter? asked the chicken. Plenty. All they want from you is a little contribution. They're asking for me a total commitment. Total commitment is precisely the context in which consecration takes place. Total commitment involves the spirit of self-sacrifice, 
Jesus was totally committed to fulfilling the Father's will. John 6, 38. I've come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And as Paul reflected on that, he says in Philippians 2 that Jesus became obedient to death, even death on a cross. The 19th century missionary Henry Martin sums this up in his prayer when he was landing on the shores of India. He prayed, Here let me burn out for God. Total commitment means leaving ourselves with no other option in life but to move forward with God. When Cortez landed with 700 men at Veracruz in 1519 to begin his conquest of Mexico, he set fire to his fleet of 11 ships. And as his men stood on the shore watching their only means of retreat sinking to the bottom of the Gulf of Mexico, they realized this truth. There was no way back there was only one direction in which to move, and that was forward and to meet whatever might come their way. Brothers and sisters, there's only one way for us to move, and that is forward. For the people of Israel at that moment standing on the brink of the Jordan, there was only one way forward for them to move, and that was forward. And thirdly and finally, we're told that we need to keep our spiritual perspective. Joshua 3.3, 3, when you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, move out from your positions and follow them. Now, you know about the Ark of the Covenant. It was an oblong box covered with gold. On the lid at either end were two cherubim facing each other. It was the throne of God within the tabernacle, the visible symbol of God's presence amongst his people. So when Joshua called the people to fix their eyes on the ark, he was in essence calling them to fix their eyes on God and to follow him. Everything had gone wrong 40 years before because the people had taken their eyes off of God. This time, they needed to fix their eyes on God because they needed to know that the Lord was with them. The same snares that had caused God's people to lose their spiritual perspective 40 years before were still around and had to be faced. There was, first of all, the spirit of fear. When their predecessors uh, had sent the spies over uh, to uh, survey the land and they came back with their reports. You remember in Numbers 13, 28, 10 of the spies reported, the people who live there are very powerful, their cities are fortified, very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. We can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. The land that we explored devours those living in it. They were so intimidated by the obstacles they perceived to be before them, that they were petrified with fear and turned back from following in God's way. Well, the obstacles were still there for this new generation of God's people. And on top of that, they had the greater obstacle of the River Jordan being in flood. So they faced even greater challenges. And they had to keep their eyes fixed on God 
so that fear would not consume them and hold them back. And also, they needed to deal with the spirit of inferiority. Remember the report next to them, the spies had said, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. So often, a sense of inferiority holds us back. Satan wants us to think that we are inferior. He wants us to believe that we cannot go forward and do great exploits for God. But God wants to remind us who we are. We are his children. We are his chosen people. We are all significant in his eyes. So in the face of the spirit of fear and inferiority, it's important that we keep our spiritual perspective. Don't let Satan persuade you. You can't be the Christian that you long to be. Don't let him persuade you that you can't achieve things for God that you would love to achieve. David, in Psalm 56, verse 3, said, When I'm afraid, I'll put my trust in you. I'm sure there was an element of fear amongst the people as they stood at the Jordan but they put their trust in the living God. When a little girl was asked by her father, how big is God? He told her, God is always just a little bigger than you need. So having purified themselves, having renewed their faith, having reaffirmed their commitment to move forward with God, the people began their step forward to cross the River Jordan and enter into the land that God had promised. The priests were carrying the ark, and they had the responsibility to take the first steps of faith and to stand in the water. Something there about leadership within God's people that we have to have the courage to believe and the faith to be obedient to what God expects of us. The leaders went forward first into the Jordan and stood in the water. And Joshua 3.15 says, As soon as the feet of the priests touched the water, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away, and the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. And then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Two and a half million people, half the population of Scotland, gathered in one place on the brink as it were, of the River Jordan at the water's edge. And then God began to move, and the waters began to recede. How long did it take for that to happen, I wonder? The people stood patiently and waited until the water receded and the riverbed was revealed. How long did it take for two and a half million people and all their livestock 
to cross over that dry riverbed and stand on the other side. I don't know. It must have taken some amount of time. And as they crossed over, wondering whether at that point the Canaanites might attack, whether they might be caught when they were at their most vulnerable. But God had reassured Joshua this day he was going to do great wonders amongst them. And he did. Not just by uh, creating the dry riverbed through the Jordan so that the people could move forward, but keeping them safe till they landed on the other side. And so begins the next chapter in the story of God and his people. He has brought them into the land he promised he would give them. He has been faithful to fulfill his promises. And my brothers and sisters, God is always faithful, always faithful to fulfill the promises he makes to us. We are the ones that are so often unfaithful. And if failure ha and fear has played havoc with our spiritual lives, leaving us defeated and demoralized, just a shadow of the people that we long to become. God's saying to each of us this morning, take your spiritual position. Recognize you've got to go back to where things went wrong in your life so that you can reaffirm your faith and put things right so that you might be ready to move forward into a new chapter with me. Take your spiritual position. Make your spiritual consecration. Purify your lives. Get rid of those things that are hindrances to you growing in your Christian life. And open up your life to the power of the Holy Spirit to refresh and to renew you. And finally, keep your spiritual perspective. Keep your eyes fixed on God. Remember, no problem situation is too hard for the Lord to deal with and to transform. Trust in him. Move forward in faith. Then, Stand back in amazement as you see what God will do. Amen. Our gracious Father, we thank you for your power at work in life, not only for the Israelites, but down through the centuries and even into our own lives. And Lord, as we bow in your presence now, longing to become the people that you want us to be. Help us, Heavenly Father, to get rid of all the obstacles that hold us back and help us, Heavenly Father, to move forward with a fresh commitment and with renewed faith to serve you and to do your will. Hear our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen.